What we were just singing is the focus of our lesson this morning. Time is filled with swift transition. We'll focus this morning on the urgency of time. The urgency of time. We read earlier, before Bible class, from Psalm number 90. We remember verse 12, where inspiration tells us to teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. We need wisdom. We're told in James 1 and verse 5, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Well, God provides some wisdom for us in Scripture. He says, teach us to number our days. That we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. A similar New Testament passage is found in Ephesians chapter 5, 15 and 16. Where Paul says we are to walk as those who are wise. Redeeming the time. Or making the most of our time. Because the days are evil. We'll notice a few concepts together this morning. And ask, what is it about life that makes time so urgent? What is it about life that makes time so urgent? The urgency of time. In the first place, there is the nature of time itself. The nature of time itself. Time is short, time is swift, and time is shaky. That's what the Bible says. James 4 and verse 14 we read, 13 and 14, where James asks, What is your life? It is even as a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. That's what our life is. In 1 Peter chapter 1 Beginning around verse 22, seeing then that you have purified your souls in your obedience unto the truth, unto the unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart, pure heart uh, fervently, knowing that you were born again, but you weren't born of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of the Lord. For all flesh, notice this, Peter, Peter says. All flesh is as grass. And the glory of man is the flower of the grass. Well, what happens? The, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. You see, our lives, we wither away. Eventually, the glory of man, our strength, that we've had, eventually it begins to fall away. And so we hold to God's eternal hand, His unchanging hand. Life is at best, it is short, it is swift, and it is shaky. Turn with me to Psalm number 39 for a second. Psalm number 39. And notice, if you will, from David, writer David, beginning in verse number 4. 
Wonderful prayer here. O Lord, Psalm 39 verse 4. O Lord, make me to know my end. Lord, make me to know my end. And what is the measure of my days? Let me know how frail or fleeting that I am. Behold, Lord, you have made my days as a few hand breaths. And you've heard of this before. In olden times, oftentimes they used the the width of a hand to to measure a distance, a short distance. The width of a hand usually ends up being around two and a half to four inches. Look what the, the writers, look what God is telling us. Our lives are basically just a few hand breaths. It's just, it's just a few hand lengths. And then, and then we're gone. Psalm 39, verse 5. Behold, you have made my days as a few hand breaths, and you have made my lifetime as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Now some translations there say, you've made my life just all vanity. But the idea here is, you, you just breathe in and you breathe out and your life is gone. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. How long does a shadow last? A shadow that is cast. It's there for a little, little while during the day and then it's gone. And that's our lives. We're here a while and then we're gone. The nature of time itself drives us to see the urgency of time. So life is short, life is swift, and life is uncertain or it's shaky. Proverbs 27 and verse 1 says, Boast not yourself of tomorrow, for you don't know what a day is going to bring forth. And we know that to be very true. We read in Job 14, 1 and 2, The man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. That's it. That's it. Life is short, life is swift, and life sometimes is just full of trouble. The very nature of time itself ought to make us see how urgent it is to do the will of God while we have time and opportunity. Now, in the back of our minds, maybe, in the back of our minds, it would be nice that our life could just be laid out. That one transition could be guaranteed as a certain amount of time, and we could be guaranteed to stay in that session of life, that period of life for a certain amount of time. And then we're guaranteed to stay in the next period of life, for, and then we're guaranteed for a few years more, and then we just exactly know how many years we're going to have And we'll be able to bank on that and count on that and plan our lives accordingly. But that's not the way life is. So football got started. In a football game, time is very important. But you know exactly how much time you got. The two big questions about a game, just about any game, but football especially. If If you're not watching the game, you might stick your head in the door and you say, well... Well, what's the score and how much time is left? And that's pretty much life, isn't it? What's the score and how much time is left? Well, in a football game, you can know how much time. You've got 15 minutes per quarter. You've got four quarters. In the back of our minds, we might say, well, wouldn't it be nice to know that we have four quarters of life and we know exactly how many years are going to be in each of those quarters, but it just doesn't work out that way. It's not the way God has set up our lives. It's not the way he has brought 
the life on earth to us at all. Now, you take the life of Moses. In, in the great sermon that Stephen preaches in Acts chapter 7, in the middle part of his sermon, he talks quite a bit about Moses. And he gives us the years of Moses. Acts chapter 7, I believe about verse 23, he says Moses spent the first 40 years in Pharaoh's house. He, as you know, he was discovered by Pharaoh's daughter and then she took him in as his own son. So the first 40 years in Pharaoh's house. And then Moses began to discover his own people. He began to stand up for his own people. But then as he stood up for his own people, he was forced to flee uh, Egypt and he went out to the land of Midian and he gets married and he begins to raise a family. And so for the next 40 years, if you look at Acts 7 verse 30, you see that for those next 40 years, he was serving his father-in-law Jethro and he is uh, keeping the sheep and keeping the cattle of Jethro's estate. That's for the next 40 years. Then about that time, the end of those 40 years, God appears unto Moses in that great burning bush and he says, you're going to deliver my people. And so for the next 40 years, Moses does. He delivers his people out of Egypt into the wilderness, not allowed to go into the promised land. But look, if you look over to Deuteronomy 34 and verse 7, you see Moses dies at exactly 120 years of age. So the first 40 years in Pharaoh's house, the second 40 years out there in the land of Midian, and then the last 40 years he is serving God by bringing his people out of the land of Egypt and into uh, the wilderness area, almost up to the very brink of the promised land. In the back of our minds we might say, well, wouldn't it be nice if, if we had that kind of guarantee, 40 years here, 40 years there, and 40 years. But life is uncertain. Life is uncertain. You know... This thing here will stretch out to 80 plus inches. And wouldn't it be nice to know that each of the 20 inches guaranteed 20 years? You know? And you could say, well, I'm here at this part of my life and I've got, you know, I've got 60 years left. Or I've got 80 years left. But we know that's just not the way it is. Life, life is uncertain. In fact, it goes by really fast and swift. It appears as a vapor for a little time, and then it vanishes away. The very nature of time itself has got to instill within us an urgency to always want to be faithful in doing the will of the Lord. I think about Mary and Martha there in Luke 10, 38-42. I think... One of the major differences between Mary and Martha is the time factor. The time factor. Okay. I don't think it's the case that Mary never served in the kitchen. I don't think it's the case that Martha never wanted to listen to Jesus. I just think Mary had a better idea, at least on this occasion, of the time factor. She knew that the Lord wasn't going to be here always. And if He's going to come into their house, the first priority was to be with the Lord, to serve Him, to, to hang on His every word. And Martha perhaps needed to learn that lesson from Mary. In John chapter 11, 
Along about verse 7, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. His disciples says, what? Go to Judea again? We were just there and don't you remember, Lord? They were picking up stones and throwing them at you. He said, are there not 12 hours in the day? Obviously what Jesus is saying. He's saying, we've got this mission to do. Time is short. Are there not 12 hours in the day? Those who walk in the light do not stumble. Those who walk in darkness do stumble. In other words, Jesus is saying, if we don't understand the nature of time, we're not going to do the will of God. The Lord Himself said in John 9 and verse 4, we must work the works of Him that sent me while it's day. The night comes when no man can work. And so what drives us to see the urgency of time it would certainly be the nature of time itself. In the second place, there's the purpose of God. Let's learn together here. There's the purpose of God. We did not choose to come to this earth. We did not choose when we would come to this earth. Our parents did not choose and decide for us to come to this earth. Our parents did not decide when we would come to this earth. The fact is, God had need of us. He had a purpose for us, and He brought us here. There is a heavenly purpose for us being here at this precise time in history. Purpose of God. Do you believe that God created you. If you do, you also believe what Paul refers to in 1 Corinthians 14.33, that God is a God of order. That nothing happens by accident. That He is not the God of confusion. That it is not an accident that we're here. It's not an accident that we're here at this particular time in history. And it's not an accident that we have been so blessed by God. He has made us in His image. He has made us a little lower than the angels. And so therefore, we have a very distinct purpose for being here. It's a divine purpose. We must see this if we're going to understand the urgency of time. We must see it. The fact is, many don't see it. Many do not have the slightest idea that there is a divine, a heavenly purpose that they are expected to live out while they're on earth. In fact, it's entirely possible for us to mess this up. God has His purpose for us, but it's entirely possible for us to ignore it. You see, just because we say that there is a purpose for us being here doesn't mean that God endorses everything that we do. In fact, He just does not. But what it does mean is, He has put us here in order for us to learn, to study out what He would have us to do, and then fulfill that in the time that He gives us to do that. The purpose of God pushes us toward the urgency of time. I'm not through with the purpose of God. God's purpose is bigger than life itself. Okay? God's purpose is bigger than your life. God's purpose is bigger than my life. Listen to Jesus' words in Matthew 16 and 25. 
Whoever shall try to find his life shall lose it. But whoever shall be willing to lose his life for my sake and for the gospel's sake shall find it. There's where life is right there. There's where life is. We are to get so lost in the purpose of God that then we are able to trust in Him in an absolute way. Add to what Jesus says, to what Paul says in Philippians 1 and verse 20. Paul said, here is my aim. Here is my aim. Philippians 1 verse 20. He says that Christ would be magnified in His body whether by His life or by His death. And then another passage that is parallel to that is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 9. Now Paul there in 2 Corinthians 5 had been saying this. He had been saying, we are in the body, but at some point we're going to be absent from the body. He says, while we're at home in the body, then we are not present with the Lord. But Paul says he had a desire to be at home with the Lord. So when we depart from this body, then we are at home with the Lord. Then Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 9, that whether we are at home or away with the Lord, we make it our aim to please the Lord. Now, it doesn't take a lot of reading to understand what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying that he has gotten himself so lost in the purpose of God that it was his aim that the Lord would take him and use him for his purpose and for his glory, whether it meant his life or his death. And we must follow suit. We must live in the same fashion. We must live with the same mindset. Please link on to that. The purpose of God. We're not through with this. Let's learn together. Let's learn together. This is hard to get through to us humans. Especially to us who live in this part of the world. But we are not put here by accident. And in response to that, we are to follow the words of Jesus and of Paul and make it our aim that whatever we do, we're okay with the Lord, whether it means our life or our death. If the Lord wants me here to do His will fully with my whole heart for the next three days, fine. If the Lord wants us to take, take us away and that would better serve His purpose, then fine. Whether by my life or by my death, I'm going to make it my aim to glorify God and magnify Christ in my life and in my body. And that purpose is to drive us to make the most of our time. Jesus said in John 10 and verse 10, I am come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Now, life is already here. He's not talking about physical life there. He's talking about spiritual life and a higher life. He has come that we may have forgiveness of our sins, spiritual life, and that we may find this purpose, this higher ground that He wants us to grasp, this purpose of God that He wants us uh, to know about. 
Let me read this to you. I found this little poem that may illustrate what we're saying here. Someone wrote this. Lord, it belongs not to my care whether I die or live. To to love and serve Thee is my share, and this Thy grace must give. If life be long, I will be glad that that I may long obey. But if life be short, then why should I be sad to soar to endless day? Let me read that last part to you. If life be long, I will be glad that I may long obey. If life be short, then why should I be sad to soar to endless day? What Paul is saying is either way, we've got it. Either way, it's good. If we are serving the purpose of God, then we are doing as He would have us to do on this earth. If for some reason or another, life is cut short for us, then we're going to be in the place where there is endless day. Either way, it's good. Purpose of God. Acts chapter 17, 28, Paul's speaking there a lot about God Almighty. He says, in Him we live, we move, and we have our very being. In God we have life, we live. In God we have our motivation, we move. And in God we have our identity, we have our very being. What else do we need? We've got our life, we've got our motivation, we've got our identity. Let's get out and live for God. Before we leave the idea of the purpose of God, I want you to consider Acts chapter 22 with me. And some questions that were brought up in the conversion, the life of Saul who became Paul. Four questions. Let me mention these four questions. Jesus asked Saul, 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 why do you persecute me? That's question number one. Saul, in persecuting the Christians, he was actually persecuting Christ. That's question number one. The second question was asked by Saul. He said, who art thou, Lord? Who are you, Lord? And he would understand that and go on to obey the gospel. The third question, this is asked by Saul. He said, Lord, what would you have me to do? And then the last question is asked by Ananias as he come to see Saul. And Ananias asked, why tarriest thou? Those four questions can also be used to remind us constantly of the purpose of God. If we will consider those four questions, we will stay on the mark as far as the purpose of God is concerned. Why do you persecute me? In other words, God is saying to us right now, you find ways to where you can more and more learn to love other people as I have loved you. 
That is a lifelong journey, a lifelong task, and we must be at it. And then what about the question, who art thou, Lord? How many of us know the Lord completely as we ought to know him today? The, the service of the Lord and the knowledge of the Lord is something that we gain throughout our lives. It's not something we, we know and then we're finished with it. We serve and we come to know Him all the days of our life. Who art thou, Lord? And the third question, Lord, what would you have me to do? That's an important question when it comes to obeying the gospel because the Bible teaches to obey the gospel and become a Christian receive forgiveness that we must obey through faith and repentance, confession, and baptism, but that's not just a one-time question. That's a question for life. We need to get up every day and ask the Lord, Lord, how can I treat other people better? How can I have your love for others better? Help me, Lord, to have love for others better. And we also need to get up the first time in the day and say, Lord, I want to come to know you better today. Who are you, Lord? And then we want to get up in the morning and say, Lord, what would you have me to do today? And continue to ask that for the rest of our lives. And then that final question, why do you tarry? Why do you tarry? Those, these are the questions the Lord is asking us just about every day. The purpose of God ought to drive us to see the urgency of time. In the third place, there is the tendency of man. The nature of time. The purpose of God the tendency of man. Acts 17.32 Some responded in Athens there to Paul by just mocking him. But others said, we will hear you later about this. We will hear you later. The tendency of man is to put things off. Let me share five reasons with you why sometimes we put things off. Reason number one, some feel they have gone too far. They've gone too far. They've been away too long, or they have done things that are just not forgivable. Let me say this to you, that's not the case. That will never be the case. There's always a path back home. You think about the corrupt city of Corinth, and all you have to do is read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 through 11 to see the many vulgar sins that were alive and dominant in Corinth. And many of those people came out of those lifestyles and became obedient unto Jesus. They were justified in the name of Jesus, they were washed in his blood. We have not gone too far. But sometimes people put things off because they feel like they've gone too far. Another reason is people are afraid others will make fun of them. This is not just a young person thing. They feel like people will make fun of them. Guess what? If they do, you're in good company. You're in the best company. If they're making fun of you because of your faith and because of who you are in your faith, then remember what Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 12, Blessed are you when, when men revile you and persecute you 
Blessed are you. They made fun of Jesus. They said he's casting out demons by the power of the devil. They will make fun of us. But people sometimes say, I just can't take that. People make fun of me. They'll talk about me. They'll think I'm weird. They'll think I'm radical. They'll call me something. They'll call me a Bible-toting radical or a Bible-quoting radical. Well, what about that? The third reason that people sometimes put off doing what we need to do. Because they say, well, there's hypocrites everywhere. There's hypocrites. There's hypocrites in the church. There's hypocrites everywhere. You know what a hypocrite is? Jesus explains it in Matthew 23, 2 and 3. He said, these are the ones who say and do not. Well, that statement's absolutely right. That is what a hypocrite is. And it's very true that there are hypocrites in the church. There's hypocrites everywhere. What the Lord is trying to get us to see is that He doesn't want us to be one of those. He doesn't want us to be one of those. He doesn't want, to be any, he doesn't want us to be any part of any situation or any personality or any habit that will cause us to lose our souls. Well, others say it's just too hard to admit that I've been wrong. And that's true also. It is hard. Very hard. That is repentance. Repentance is admitting wrong and changing. Changing. Let me tell you something. There won't be a person in heaven who has not gone the road of repentance. There's not a single person walking on earth who has been forgiven of Christ, who has not first gone through the hard road of of change. And it happens to every one of us. And it will still happen to us. When the Word of God convicts us, then we are to get down on our knees and ask for forgiveness. We are to make that change in our lives. It is hard. But it's nothing not anyone else who serves the Lord has to do. And and no one will be in heaven who does not go through this path. So notice these reasons why people choose to not follow the Lord. They say, I've done too much. Or people make fun of me. There's hypocrites there. It's too hard to change. The number one reason people give not following the Lord is they just simply say I'll do it later I'll do it later that's number one I'll do it later they see the truth yes they can envision themselves becoming a Christian a heart soul mind strength Christian yes they can see that they see the need yes they see the need to influence for Christ yes but they've got other things they want to accomplish first and say, so I'll do this later. That's very troublesome. In fact, that's a complete misunderstanding of the nature of not only time, but of Christ. The tendency of man. And then finally this morning, the, the certainty of death. These things together, these concepts together, hopefully can drive us to see and live out the urgency of time. The nature of time itself, the purpose of God for sure. The tendency of man, we all admit it, we put things off. 
and in the certainty of death. One of our speakers at PTP a while back told of a preacher that he knew that was going into um, a prison, a real prison, where you have um, lifelong prisoners. But they had set up a room where this preacher could go in and teach. And so he was going there for a service one day. And they had the chairs lined up for him and where he was to stand. And on the front row, there were two chairs that were draped in black. And sure enough, those two chairs were reserved for two men who were on death row. In fact, their time was coming within a month. And the preacher had asked about why the, the chairs in black, and they told him. And he immediately changed his sermon. And he said it taught him that we need to be speaking more about eternal salvation because time is short. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. I don't know if you've ever had the chance to watch um, a few years ago we, we found a channel where they were having the X Games. This is when they have these young people who don't mind bodily harm to do a lot of tricks on skateboards and dirt bikes. And they're flipping and they're twisting and they're turning and they've got a certain amount of time to show what they can do, and then they're judged on what they do during that time. Notice that when it got down to just a few left in the contest, that they would give those final contestants what they call glory time. That is, on your final run here, we're going to give you 15 extra seconds to show what you can really do. And those who train for these events would save their best for that glory time. They wanted to get to that point and then be able to compete in that glory time. It could be, it very well is, that we're living spiritually in glory time. We don't know when our end will be. Therefore, isn't it true that the Lord would have us to, in a very strong, vibrant way, to do the best we can to live out His purpose, while we have time on this earth. We invite you to come home to Jesus. Come home to the Lord this morning. Let's all stand together and sing at this time.